The reading is Colossians 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hear the word of the Lord. Thank you, Margaret. It's great to uh, have uh, this chance to read God's word together and think a little bit about it. Before we do, let me pray for us. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do give you the thanks and praise of our hearts for all you've done for us. We pray that this morning you will enable us to see with fresh eyes uh, just how great a grace that you have poured out on us in your Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray that in his name. Amen. It's about this time every year that there's a bit of a refreshing kind of thankfulness that comes over our country, isn't it? Of course, it's Anzac Day yesterday, when as a nation we pause to remember the sacrifice of so many women and men 
over so many years. Uh, we tell stories of people who did amazing things, people like uh, the, the guy who is coming up on the screen, who you may have heard about and you may know well this story of John Simpson Kirkpatrick, otherwise known as Simpson and his donkey. Have you heard the story of Simpson and his donkey? Uh, he was part of the Anzac forces that landed at Gallipoli a hundred years ago yesterday. He was in the field ambulance. Okay, so uh, his job wasn't to fight, but uh, uh, it was uh, a terrifying job, really. His job was to run out and uh, get the wounded soldiers and carry them on his shoulder uh, back to camp. Uh, on April 26th, so 100 years ago today, uh, Simpson, uh, the day after landing, found a donkey. Okay, he found a donkey uh, at Gallipoli, and he started to use it to carry the wounded. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, Simpson and his donkey... Uh, from all reports, worked tirelessly and uh, incredibly cheerfully uh, carrying, uh, to go and carry soldiers. They rescued over 300 people, over 300 people in a, couple, in a few weeks, uh, through constant gunfire until Simpson tragically himself was shot and killed uh, just 25 days later. We're thankful, aren't we, for people like Simpson, for what they sacrificed for their country uh, families gave up their sons and daughters to ensure the freedom of future generations of Australians. Um, but perhaps, friends, it seems to me that one reason why Anzac Day holds such a prominent sort of place in our uh, national sort of calendar, in our consciousness, is that uh, is the way that this thankfulness and self-sacrifice it can be such a contrast to uh, sort of the rest of the year, kind of the rest of Australian life. Uh, there's a, a study from a couple of years ago caused a bit of a stir when it compared what's known as the Australian Wellbeing Index. So it sort of measures a whole number of different factors to talk about well-being. It compared that with a similar survey conducted by the British government, uh, and it found that Australians, despite having um, one of the strongest economies in the world and a raft of other reasons, despite that, are less satisfied and more anxious than people in the UK. At the, head, at the time, it made headlines like Australians, whingers and, whingers and warriors, Aussies have overtaken the Poms in the whinging stakes. I'm not sure how true that is. <laughs> I'll leave that to the morning tea discussions to uh, argue about that. But it does seem to me that uh, a lot of how we talk about life and we go about life as Australians uh, can sort of be driven more by um, complaints, uh, discontent and fear than uh, a kind of open-hearted gratitude. We can look at life as something that we're entitled to rather than a gift we're given, can't we? And instead of being grateful, we, uh, we can be marked by a kind of hard-edged, you know, the sort of uh, hard-edged self-sufficiency that uh, is invulnerable to anything, that kind of harsh thanklessness. And, friends, the tragedy is that well, not, not that, that, you know, that is a tragedy in itself, but an even greater tragedy is that this kind of thanklessness uh, can find its way into the people of God. Uh, today we're going to see just how out of place that kind of thankless life, just how out of place that is for Jesus' people. If the good news of Jesus is true, then to be a thankless Christian is sort of, you know, it's the most ridiculous contradiction, isn't it? be a thankless Christian. If you're here and you're checking out Christianity, 
Uh, maybe you've had some um, contact with it in the past or you're unsure about it. Uh, or perhaps you're a Christian who just feels like you've, you know, you kind of lost something of what it means to be a Christian. Um, you could do a lot worse, it seems to me, than thinking of the Christian life as, at its heart, a life of thankfulness. A life of thankfulness. It, being a Christian involves much more than that, but it's never less. Okay, friends, it's never less than a life of thankfulness. Last week we heard from the end of Luke's Gospel, Luke's account of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. We, last week we looked at that and we heard of that incredible, um, great mission of God, you know, the global mission of God uh, to proclaim Jesus, the news of Jesus' death and resurrection that brings forgiveness and new life. Uh, this amazing message we, were, we saw last week was meant for the whole world, for every person in the world. Uh, and the story of the early church is how that message sort of went out with those disciples, starting with Jesus uh, and those disciples after he was raised. This, this message went out, sort of exploded across the known world. Uh, today we come, we're going to start reading a letter uh, that one of those leaders in the early church, a guy named Paul, one of, uh, that Paul wrote to a little community of Jesus followers in a little town called Colossae. And the opening of his letter gives us a really stunning and captivating picture of this life of thankfulness. So we're going to read the letter together. Uh, we, we'll start today and we'll, we'll stay in this letter for the next couple of months. I hope you're looking forward to it. It is a magnificent letter and particularly if you're someone who uh, is checking out Jesus or wants to sort of reinvigorate your life, your walk with Jesus uh, this is a great place to start, a really fantastic way to get into what it means to live with Jesus as your risen king. So uh, if you have your Bibles open, that'll help you. Again, uh, as always, there is the, uh, the outline in the handout that you can follow along with. Uh, but Paul opens his letter uh, right at the start, as usual. <laughs> he starts at the very beginning. Uh, chapter 1, verses, verse 1, he writes, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And Paul wrote to this group of Christians in a town called Colossae. Uh, Colossae was in a fertile valley, and it was, it was famous for its fine wool, this town, uh, it used to be, uh, it had its glory days in the past, so it used to be uh, on a major trading route, but that was sort of in the past. But there still would have been uh, many reasons to give thanks for living in Colossae. Okay? There would have been many reasons for Paul. But you notice, as, even in this opening here, for Paul, there's something else going on for these Christians. There's a deeper reality for them. They're not just citizens of Colossae. They're not just in Colossae. They have a, a deeper identity. Uh, it's the, and it's, as we read on, we'll find out that it's that, that identity, that sort of grounding, it's that that Paul gives thanks for. They're in Colossae, but deeper than that, they're in Christ. They're in Christ. Now, there's so many things, aren't there, for us to be thankful for living in Australia, living in Victor Harbour, um, living in wherever it is you live. 
We've been reminded about that uh, yesterday on Anzac Day. But friends, for Paul, there is something much deeper going on, something much deeper going on and more wonderful. The most fundamental thing about me is not that I am in Australia. It's not that I am in Victor Harbour. It's not even that I am in the Andrews family. The most fundamental thing about me is that I am in Christ, that I am in Christ. That's what Paul goes on to thank God for. So let's keep reading, friends, uh, from verse 3. Verse 3, Paul writes, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul starts this letter. Uh, you can sort of kind of picture the scene, right? Uh, he's a leader in this new world, this new group of uh, Christians, this, this movement of the gospel, the word of God, the word about Jesus that's going out across the whole world and transforming lives. He cares deeply for this group of Christians. He's never met them. He's never even been to Colossae, but he cares so deeply for them. And he thanks. He says, uh, is he interesting, isn't it? He's always thanking God for them. This group of people who doesn't know, he's never met, he's never been to their town, but he's always thanking God for them. And it's not, another thing to draw out here that is helpful for us, I think, it's, it's not a general kind of thankfulness, is it? It's not a general thankfulness, it's very specific. Thank you, God, for lollies. <laughs> that's good, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, that's good. The gospel opens up our eyes to a world that is flooded with God's grace. And it's good to give thanks to him for that. But as the song went on to say, and as Paul focuses on here, what gets him really going is something that he can be thankful for even when all the lollies get taken away. <laughs> something that he can be thankful for regardless of his circumstances. Uh, he's actually in prison when he's writing this, Paul, so you know, that gives you some bit of an indication of what's going on for him. He's in prison. He's been through, we know from other sources, Paul went through incredible suffering, unbelievable trials. And he knows what it is to have nothing, but he says he always thanks God. He thanks God for the way the news about Jesus, this message of the gospel, he thanks God for the way that it came to these, these people and grouped them and transformed their lives, turned them upside down, inside out, gave them, as we read on in verse 4, it gave them faith in Jesus Christ. This gospel had given them an unshakable rock, okay, based on what had already happened. Jesus had died and had risen again. It, the gospel gave them an unshakable foundation for their trust, their faith to base their life on. And we read in verse 4 that it gave them a love, not only a faith that was based on the past, but a love 
in the present for all of God's people, this community of God's people that they were gathered into. Paul hears of their love for each other and he thanks God. And then in verse 5, this same gospel gave them not only a rock in the past to stand on, not only a love between each other in the present, but a brilliant, bright, wonderful hope in the future. This gospel gave them an incredible hope, secure, stored up for them in heaven. And all this meant that Paul was always giving thanks for them. He knew that this was... I, it was an incredible thing. I don't know if you feel this. I, I do. I kind of feel like it's easy to forget just how incredible this, this gospel is and what it does in people's lives. Paul didn't forget that. He knew it was incredible that the word of the gospel had gone out and transformed lives, and he thanks God for it. And did you notice as we read through... Uh, how Paul talks about this gospel, this message. Uh, it's kind of like the, the message itself is its own living thing. Right? It's sort of the, the word of the gospel uh, in verse 6. The gospel, the gospel came to them. Uh, the gospel is, is bearing fruit and growing among them, just like the gospel has been growing all over the world, this sort of unstoppable word, the message of Jesus that's going out and gripping and transforming lives. Uh, But at the same time, uh, the word of God has this incredible power to go out and change lives. At the same time, it came to them, at the end of the passage we read, it came to them through a person, right? Through Epaphras. Uh, Epaphras had also been gripped by this message, transformed by it. Uh, Our best guess is that Epaphras heard it uh, from Paul while Paul was in Ephesus, which was sort of a more major town, city uh, nearer to where Colossae is. Uh, Epaphras heard it from Paul. His life was transformed by the good news of Jesus. He takes this back to Colossae and Uh, starts this new new church, this new group of people. He tells Colossae about it and starts uh, the church there. Friends, wherever this gospel message goes out and transforms lives, it is for us cause for great thanks. Whenever God uses people to do this, what people has God used in your life? (laughs) That is cause for great, incredible thanks. It's incredible, isn't it, that Paul thanks, Paul's thanks, it's not for anything that happened to himself. Um, it's wonderfully unself-centred. He's so gripped by the gospel that he just rejoices when it goes out, when it bears fruit, when it grows, even though he's, you know, locked up in prison. <laughs> and it occurs to me, friends, that's precisely what's happened here at Trinity South Coast. Uh, so many people are thanking God for this, new church, uh, with that kind of gospel-hearted generosity and thankfulness, not because of anything they're getting out of it. Lots of people have been excited, supporting what's happening, actually from all over the world, (laughs) uh, which is so encouraging. Others have thanked God for this new gospel work, even though it's cost them, Uh, especially friends from our sending churches, from Trinity Mount Barker and Trinity Hills, Uh, thanking God to see a new work of the gospel started down here, even though it has involved cost. And um, 
wouldn't it be beautiful for Trinity South Coast to be the same kind of community that was so gripped by this gospel? Seems a bit weird to start talking about planting new sort of gospel communities or churches, but you, uh, Paul Harrington set a precedent on our opening day, if you were here. Uh, he prayed for the next uh, church plant out of this congregation. Uh, but that's our aim, that's our hope, that we'll be, that we'll be a, a sender out of this wonderful gospel a planter of new gospel communities. And when that happens, our hope and our, our prayer is that we'll remember Paul's example, the example of our friends across the Trinity Network, to be ourselves so gripped by this gospel that we rejoice and we thank God for it going out, even when it costs us. So Paul thanks God. Okay, Paul thanks God. He's always thanking God for this great work of the gospel. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He goes on in verse 9, which should come up on the screen. He, uh, he goes on. He's always thanking God, but he's always also asking God. Verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. There's a wonderful symmetry. We'll read the rest soon. But there, there is a wonderful symmetry between this prayer of Paul. He prays this for the um, people of Colossae and what he gave thanks for them. There's a, there's a beautiful symmetry going on. Paul gives thanks for all that God has done for them and because he, based on that, see the, um, the, for this reason right at the start of his prayer, based on the fact that God had done this in the past in the Colossians' life, he then asked God to, to keep working, to continue his work. They heard and understood the word of God. So Paul prays in verse 9 that it wouldn't just be that they heard it once, but they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will given by the Holy Spirit. Just as the gospel, you know, the gospel going out and bearing fruit, this great word that sort of is living and active, just as the gospel bore fruit, Paul's prayer is that they themselves will sort of be filled so that they will bear fruit as well and that they will grow. Uh, this power of this gospel that was going out all over the world, Paul prays that this power would be at work in them. Friends, there's, uh, it's a, there's so much in there. <laughs> it's such a, 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 a um, beautifully rich prayer of Paul's. We're not going to get to it all. Uh, Paul is going to pick up on all of these things as he goes through his letter. So he sort of raises a lot of these issues now in his uh, intro prayer. Uh, but we'll, we'll revisit a lot of this as we read through Paul's letter over the next couple of months. But right at the end of his prayer, the kind of high point, the great flourish that he finishes it off with, in verse 12, he prays that they will give joyful thanks to the Father. 
Just like he gave thanks, his heart was gripped by the gospel and he gave thanks for it, Paul prays that they too will just be swept up in this thanksgiving. Just like that, he prays that they would be filled with thanks. It's interesting that this comes straight after, if you've got the passage in front of you, Paul prays for God's strengthening of them for endurance and patience. Uh, When I kind of think about endurance, I have horrible memories of primary school cross-country races. Um, I was never a particularly good runner, and I remember dragging my little 10-year-old feet up some big hill. Uh, I endured it, okay? I I kind of resented every step along the way. It was that kind of endurance. But the life Paul's talking about here isn't a kind of drag-your-feet endurance, resenting it every step of the way. Paul prays, Paul prays that it will be a life of joyful thanks to the Father. Not only when times are good and things are going well, but even when you are enduring and in hardship and patience. Here, friends, is a heart that is engaged in the gospel, a heart of full of joyful thanks. But just like, just like Paul's thankfulness, it wasn't just a general kind of thankfulness. It was very, really specific. It was, based, it was thankfulness for the work of the gospel in their lives. Just like that, it's, so it is here. It's, it's not sort of uh, sticking our heads in the sand and putting on a smile, pretending we're happy. Verse 12, Paul gives this wonderful and breathtaking accounts. He gets to the details of what this will of God that he prays would fill them. What is that will? He gets to it here. This is what spurs them on to good works. This is how we can know God personally. This is the power of God to give us endurance and patience. This is what makes us joyful and thankful in any circumstance. This is it that God is now our Father and that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption. Forgiveness of sins. Having an inheritance in the kingdom of light, being rescued from the power of darkness, being brought into the kingdom of the beloved Son of God, being redeemed, bought at a price, paid for, our sins forgiven. God, friends, has been unbelievably good to us. And if we're filled with the knowledge of this gospel, how could it not fill us with such joyful thanks to the God who's shown us such grace, such incredible grace? Well, friends, um, what an opening to a letter. (laughs) I've written a, you know, we don't really write letters anymore. Some of the ones I've written... Nothing like this. 
I wish I could write a Paul-like letter. Uh, it may be that you're not a Christian person among us here today, and you, you might just be checking Jesus out. Uh, I mentioned at the start that you could do worse. You could do worse than to think of what a Christian life looks like than to think of a thankful life. A thankful life. There's a lot of talk about thankfulness today. Uh, if you are into sort of uh, positive psychology stuff, people have picked up on it that uh, it, it, we, you know we, it's good for us to be thankful. But, you know we, we we have a lot of talk about that today. But it seems to me that so much of the talk is based on things that can and will be eventually taken away from you. Your health, or your relationships, or whatever it is that your thankfulness is based on. And the other, it seems to me also that a lot of this talk about thankfulness, that we're not really sure who to be thankful to. <laughs> we sort of are encouraged to be thankful. But friends, if you're not a Christian person, um, Jesus can give you something to be thankful for that can't be taken away. It is a solid rock. It's based on the historic events of his death and resurrection. It's stored up in heaven, and you can have it regardless of what else is going on. And Jesus will give you not just a kind of general thankfulness. Uh, he gives you someone to be thankful to. Someone to be thankful to. God, your Father, who out of his incredible love for this world sent his Son to die and rise again, to freely offer you forgiveness and new life. This is something that we're going to try and dig deeper and deeper into over the next few weeks as we keep reading through Paul's letter to the Colossians. So uh, I encourage you to come back for round two next week and stick around and keep thinking through these things and talking them out. But uh, just, I'll just finish with a word for those of us who are Christians, who are those who have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, and I, I wonder if any of us have kind of fell into that unthinkable position of being a thankless Christian. Not just saying the words, but knowing deep within you that without Jesus we're in a world of darkness enslaved and dead in our sins and that simply out of his love and grace God has taken us from our swamp of self-centered rebellion he's taken us out of there and not just not only sort of wiped the slate clean and forgiven us but you notice as we read through brought us into his family made us inheritors made us inheritors among the saints in light in the kingdom of his beloved son. We've just come off the day of national sort of remembrance and thanksgiving for a sacrifice that rescued us and helped us to be free. But friends, in Jesus, what an infinitely greater rescue, um, an infinitely more wonderful freedom. It's not just for one nation, but it's for the whole world. And it doesn't sort of just come around once a year, but lasts forever, stored up in heaven. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we do ask for those of us who have just 
lost something of the wonder and thanks and joy that it is to know you, to be brought into your family, to be forgiven and redeemed. This morning, please ignite our hearts with joyful thanks in the knowledge that you have brought us out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.